between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. Bibles to the book of Galatians. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, you can welcome every person sitting beside you. So you're welcome to tonight. Amen. I think we have a, a brother joining us today for the first time. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. I don't know if you can see me because I can't see you from there. Um, praise God. I would like to be seeing your face if possible. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm happy to see you. Amen. Um, Galatians chapter 4. I'm from verse 1. Praise God. Um, if you're there, say Amen. <clears throat> Galatians 4 verse 1, I read, it says that now, now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, different nothing from his servant, though he be Lord of all. Amen. But is under tutors and governors until the, the time appointed of the father. And even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the, the elements of the world, praise God. But when the fullness of the time was come, that God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the Adoption of sons, praise God. And because ye are sons, that God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, what? Abba, Father. That wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and even son, then an heir of God through, through Christ. Praise God. Amen. Um, verse Verse 1 is saying that the heir is, so as long as he's a child, he's not just different from a servant, right? Because um, even though he, he's a lord, by, um, it's possible that the servant might even be calling him lord, my lord, my lord. And this heir 
could be a child and he could be called Lord, but he doesn't differ from his servant. Praise God. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed what? Of the Father. Now, when they use the word here, here it means that this um, is not just talking about any child. It's talking about there is a child who is an inheritor or who is designed to inherit. Praise God. Um, when you hear the word child, child could mean many things. Child could mean the, the person that you breastfeed. It could mean the person that you the person you take care of or the person you look after. Uh, a child could mean the person um, who you uh, someone who is just your offspring. Praise God. The child of that person means that it just means the offspring. That's the meaning of child. But So the context of the usage of child here, so they use the word child in the scripture in different ways. right? Sometimes they use it to depict the nature, the childlike nature, which is um, when Jesus was speaking about the criteria for entrance right into the kingdom, except you, you you repent and then you become as little children, right? You will not enter and except you become as converted and become as this little child, then you will not, you will, he that is converted and becomes as this little child is him that will be the greatest in the kingdom. Praise God. Then you see another place in the Bible that will say foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the, the rod of correction will drive it away. Are you seeing that? So it's very clear that in those two um, usage of the word child, they are speaking about two different attributes of, chi- of childhood or, or of a child. The first one is speaking about the meek attitude of a child, which is required for entrance into the kingdom, right? Which is an attitude that a child has. It's almost like a meek, a kind of a meekness that children have. Praise the Lord. And um, compared with the other side, which is talking about the foolish nature of a child, which is speaking more about the child's, the development of the child's mind, which when the child is not very developed, the child, a foolishness is bound in the, in the heart of a child. So, so, so childhood um, is used in the scripture to mean to highlight different things. Praise God. Um, but here, they are using a child here um, to to refer to somebody who is um, and who is an offspring of a person, praise the Lord, a person who, someone who is an offspring of a person, and who, by virtue of that, is entitled or has a he has a destiny, or he has something attached to him that the fact the fact that you are born of this person or who they call the father here. You actually have something. There's something that you are destined to fulfill, praise God, which is coming into an inheritance. So, so they're telling you that this child here is a heir. So the word heir actually means 
somebody who has a who has a legal right to an inheritance. Praise God. A heir is somebody who has what? A legal right to it doesn't mean that he has inherited yet. It's just that this person, like if things follow the normal course that they should follow, that the person should end up being what? An inheritor. Amen. So but this inheritor, they say this inheritor is a child. So it's very clear that the child they are using here is not speaking about meekness or the attribute that's needed for the kingdom. Amen. Or even for inheritance in the kingdom. That the attribute here is actually speaking more about the first one. That when I said foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, means he's talking about actually an underdeveloped person. So it means that a hair can be underdeveloped. Right? And when a hair is underdeveloped, he's saying, Paul is saying here that he doesn't differ from who? From a servant. Praise God. When he's underdeveloped, he doesn't differ from who? From, he doesn't differ from a servant. Now, why are they comparing the hair with a, with a servant? Um, it's because these people are all, um, they are all members of a household. Right? The, the servant is a member of the household. Praise God. And the hair is also what? Is also a member of the household. And they're saying in this household, in this household, there are two kind of beings who are the same, who you can equate as the same thing. That you can equate the servant in the household to even a heir who is a child in the household. Praise God. So, you can then say that in the uh, because Paul here is not teaching about physical house. He's teaching about the household of God. Uh, he's, he's giving insight into the household of God. That in the, ins, in, the, in the household of God, that there is a stature or there's a, a, a stature of a servant. Right? It, the place of a what? Of a servant in what? In the household of God. And a servant is... A person who is just a servant, but entitled to nothing else. He can't lay claim to anything in the house. So that that person is the same thing as like a child in the house. Praise God. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so there are children in, in who? In God's house. Praise God. They are what? They are children in God's house. They are children in God's house. Amen. Amen. The, the place of a child in God's house, anybody who is a child in the house of God is somebody. Now, when we say house of God, house, say house. 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 Now, this house um, is, um, I see the house of God beginning from Christ, right? I see God's house. When I say Christ, I mean from anybody who doesn't have the, the nature of God's Christ in him. That person is not a part of the family 
of God. Do you agree with what I'm saying? If you don't have the nature of what? Of the Christ in you at some level. At some level. If you don't have the nature of Christ in you at some level, you are not yet part of the family. Or the, what you call the house. I don't want to use the word family. I want to use the word house. Because you, you hardly see Paul saying family. Family. It's very hard for Paul to use those words. The word family. But he uses the word house. And there's a reason why. Because family speaks more just... Family speaks just mainly about the, the identity. Praise God. Family speaks more about what? The identity. So when you say, oh, the father is there, the mother is there, children are there. So those people are, are joined, they are united by blood. Right? So you say, this is a family. But when you say a house, a house say, speaks more than that. Right? A house is actually a, is a little organism. It's actually an organization. It's an organization of life. Like where life, um, praise God, is an organization where life is lived with specific, with strictly defined rules that are peculiar to that household. So what differs, what is the difference between a household and another household are the, the laws of the love life that are what the laws of the life that is being lived in each household. So if at all someone, it's possible someone might not be born in a household, but you say you want to come and live there. You can't come and live there if you say, okay, I have my own way of doing things. Do you agree? When you come, it won't be working out. They say, look, somebody has to give way here. Praise God. The house will not change for you. Some people won't like, like to go and change a place. Praise God. But it won't change for you. It's like, see, okay, you are the one who has to change. You have to conform to the, the laws, praise the Lord, of the house. Praise the Lord. So you see, a house is like an, it's an organism. It's, a, it's, a, it's an organism that is, that is governed. For, it's, for the, it's for primarily for the, it's for the, it's for the nurturing of life. The nurturing of life and the expression of life is an organism for the nurturing and the expression of life based on specific rules and based on specific laws. Praise God. So, so Paul speaks a lot about the household of God. Say so you are God's building. He speaks about that. Praise the Lord. Amen. He speaks about the apostleship of the house. Right? You are being builded up together, right? In the spirit, into what? Into a spiritual house. Amen. So, Paul spoke about the building of a house a lot. He spoke about the difference between the house of Christ, right? And then the house of Moses. And Moses was faithful in all his house. Then he spoke about Christ also, being also a son over his own house. So, of course, when he spoke about Christ, he didn't speak about him. He didn't say Christ was a child. He was saying Christ was a son over his own house. So, that was son means the, the, the son, the person who had come into inheritance. He has come into a place of what? A position of inheritance. The ability to inherit in the house. Praise God. Are we being blessed today? Yes, sir. Amen. So, this child, he said he's different not from his servant, though he be what? Though he be the 
Lord of all. That word Lord of all is saying even, even in his identity, he is the owner. But when it comes to the realization of that thing, that he is actually not different from what he's not different from. So he hasn't come into the things which are appointed to him as what? As a heir. But verse 2, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father, right? Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So they are now defining what a child, who a child is. Do you see that? They are defining who what a child is. There's something, there's something that marks or demarcates when somebody has grown out of childhood into maturity. Right? You know, the, the word child actually goes very, 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 very far. When you say this one is a child, according to this definition of childhood, it's not just somebody who's five, six, seven years old. According to this definition of childhood, someone can be 20 and be a child. Still, as long as you are not, been, you are not qualified for inheritance, as, as long as you haven't gotten to this point, they call it appointed of the father. The word appointed of the father here, I don't believe it's just maybe a time at this age. No, I feel like that time is, because they, they are relating with it, this appointment of the father. They join it together in that verse 2 with the season of tutelage. Because it's under tutors and under governors until the time appointed. That word time appointed of the father means until the point where the father says, okay, tutors, is okay, you've done everything. I can see you've imparted everything that needs to be imparted. Because the tutors and the governors are teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. But the father is the judge. Right, because the tutors and the governors are the ones who are to raise the child they raise the child onto the standard which the father I will accept, whom the son, whom the, who the, who the father received. He scourges every son whom he what, who he received. Praise God. So we're under, we're, when we're under, so even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the what? Elements of, of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, that God sent forth his son, he made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we may receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. What? Crying, Abba, Father. Praise God. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if his son, then an heir of God through what? Through Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Where is that place where he said that the law is the schoolmaster? Sorry? 
That's in the previous chapter, right? Mm -hmm. Praise God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says that, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, right? Well, in verse 23, it says, but before faith came, we kept, were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed, right? And therefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into, unto Christ that we might be, what, justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a, what, a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into, into Christ have what put on Christ. Praise God. Now, this word, this schoolmaster here um, is different from what he calls tutors and governors in chapter 4. Praise God. Um, schoolmaster is, um, when you say school, school is almost like an institution. A school speaks about the it is an a school is an outsourced the education you get from the school is an outsourced education. It is not the direct education given by the parent of the child. So it is not directly given by he who wants to give the inheritance. Right? It is you contract that out. Okay, there are some things you can teach this child that can be helpful to this child. They don't, they don't really pertain the matters of the house. Why? Because a schoolmaster knows nothing concerning the house. He doesn't know anything about the inheritance. He doesn't know anything about praise the Lord, about the, the household for which the person is being raised. But he can school the person concerning generic items of learning, generic things. Are you getting what I'm saying? So in this framework of um, the development of the soul, Paul is bringing a separation between the, the, what he called the schoolmaster and then what he now called tutors and then governors. Praise God. This tutors, or sorry, the schoolmaster, he termed the schoolmaster as the law. So, so the law is actually a school where souls go to to learn things that add to them but are, not, but are things that do not pertain to the inheritance directly of the house. Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Now, you said that this school, Master, let's read it again. Galatians chapter 3. Amen. We are going somewhere. Praise God. Um, Galatians chapter 3, um, verse, verse 23, it says, but, um, but, but, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterward be revealed, right? And wherefore, the, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. So the law schools you. So everything that you, you, 
the person learns under the law is preparation for Christ. Law is preparation for Christ. The word law means here, it means it's not just law in general. It's talking about law that is a specific kind of law. Any law that is without faith. Or I can expound it and say, any law that is without spirit. Law that is without faith. Or law that is without spirit. When you are learning such a thing, it's a school that you're going. It's a school that a person can go to to learn some things. Praise God. The person can go to that school to learn something, but that school is weak. The school cannot teach things that pertain to the inheritance of the household, which is where the, where the person, the soul, ought to actually be developed, developed for. Am I making sense to you? Now, this word called law here, let's open it up a little bit. Don't only think about the law of Moses. Praise God. Now, when Paul was writing to the Galatians, he wasn't primarily writing to Jews. It's possible there might have been more Gentiles who were there in Galatia because it's not a Jewish place. Even though there were Jews there who had left Jerusalem, who had spread abroad, who were in these places. But it wasn't, this was not a letter to the Jews. Galatians were actually a letter to Gentiles. Right? It was a letter to, to who? Letter to Gentiles. But they were, the Gentiles had Jews with them, and the Jews were bringing some things. There was a time when those Jews were, the Jews were useful. I, I believe there was a reason why the, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the way the, he spread the gospel. There's a way they did it. Um, you know, the Lord did not, only, did not spread only Paul. It wasn't only Paul, just one man, just going to a Gentile nation where there was nobody at all and then just started preaching from scratch. No, that's not what the Lord did. Even when Paul himself was going, Paul took people, some fellow Jewish guys with him and he would take them, sometimes he would take them to a place, they would be there for a while and he would leave some there and then he would go and send for other people to come with him. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so the wisdom of how God reached those Gentile nations. The first, the beginning of the, of, the, of the seed, the beginning of the seed for reaching the Gentiles started from the day of Pentecost. Praise God. It started from when? From, from the day of Pentecost. Praise God. When he, of course, he made sure, first of all, that in Jerusalem, Gentiles from all kinds of places actually came. So we're coming for tourism. <laughs> Praise God. But the main people that God wanted to be there, apart from of course the core disciples who were in the, in the upper room, right? And those who were, who were outside the upper room who were there, who were based in Jerusalem. Because many of the disciples of Jesus, all, pretty much all of them, were based in, around that Jerusalem area. Many of them. After his death, they came around that area. Praise the Lord. Um, but the Lord made sure that, that that experience is we don't want to just give it to the disciples. Let's find a season when many, many Jews who live in Gentile countries and nations, when they are coming to they are, do their other pilgrimage, they are coming to Jerusalem. 
When they gather there, let's ambush all of them there. And let the Holy Ghost land on them. Which happened. Praise the Lord. And many of them did what? Got born again. Many of them got born again. Many of them began. So, and then many of them, the Lord did it that they didn't go back home immediately. Some of them, when they came to Jerusalem, then they encountered the Holy Spirit. And they got born again. They just camped there. Brethren who were living in Jerusalem around the area were housing them. Praise God. And they became the first members of the church there, many of them. That's when it was, it was spoke about breaking bread from house to house. Many of them had, were housing people who came from far and wide, who encountered the Holy Spirit and then just refused to go. So they came that, praise the Lord. So, so that was at the beginning of the church life started, right? Amen. That's an essential ingredient of church life, you know. People who you don't know from anywhere just becoming your brother overnight, just like that. And when they become your brother, they've moved higher in the cadre of your junior brother, your junior sister, all the people you've been living with all your life. Someone who just came from nowhere and it just overtook them. When I, I mean in, terms, in your heart, in terms of who, what you should give preference to. You should give preference to, how many of us know that? Do you, does anybody know what I'm saying? You know you should give preference to your brother in the faith before your blood brother? Your so-called blood in the natural. <laughs> Does anybody like that? <laughs> Praise God. But that, that, that one is, that is not even a, that's not even a charity Christ commandment. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not even a Christ commandment. It's, it's just milk commandment. It's just, I mean, that's what they call love for all the saints. Right, love for all the saints is a, is a higher love they bring to you that's higher than the love you have for your father and your mother and your brothers and your sisters and people who, are, who, who share your blood in the natural. It's just, that's the first thing that should happen to you. <laughs> Praise God. First thing, that's just, that's, that should be the first thing. That's the first thing the Holy Ghost should rot on the inside of you. Your eyes should just change. Your, uh, your identity is... You should behave like someone who was just born into a new family. That's how you ought to be when you get born again. You, shouldn't, you, should, you should be feeling differently. When you see a saint, your feeling towards a saint should be stronger than what you feel towards your own, your own blood. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I mean, if you believe me, nobody believes that. Wait till it's like you guys don't believe what I say. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
Thank you, Jesus. I say, tell it, tell it, tell it, tell it. For who is your brother? For who is your sister? They are not those of your household, but they are those who have been joined with my blood. They are those who have been joined with my blood. They are those who have come to the common cause of the calling of our Father. We will do the will of my Father. We will do the will of my Father. For I walked on this earth. I walked on this earth. Even as I walked on this earth. And my disciples, my disciples were people different from me. Different from me. Not from my household. But those were my disciples and those were my brothers. Those were my sisters. Those were my family. That was my house. That was my house. So is the bride company. So is the bride company. It is the bright company. For one thing that holds you bound to the present is your family. But we need to redeem you from them. For it will redeem you out of your kindred and out of your family. As I walked on earth, losing my ties, losing my bonds with my family. And becoming joined into the family of my God. So you would come up. You would come up. For I am breaking the bonds and I am joining you up. Those things that hold you down, that hold you down. Those ties, believe, believe, believe. For this is the first cause of love. This is the first cause of love. This is the first cause of love. For without this, there is no joining unto other higher things. For this is the first cause of love. This is the first cause of love. You have to love everyone, everyone in my body. Everyone. Everyone, everyone that has touched with my blood, everyone that has touched with my blood, for this cause I came and I shed my blood, that those around, far, wide, near, middle, black, gray, orange, whatsoever, that you love them, you love them, for they are in me and I am in them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's how it's supposed to be. God will help us. So if you are, you are you have maybe you need to repent or in this area or change some things, you just do that very quickly. Praise God. <laughs> because um Amen. But it's it's very key. It's very, very key. It's very key. You need to. You need to. Because those are the just what ties you to the natural. We've, we've discussed some of these things before. They're, those things are strong. You have to face them. You have to break them and then now rearrange the relationship by the, by the spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Um, so, um, so the law here, so the Lord brought all those people, right, to, to Jerusalem. And the purpose for those things um, is so that the Lord, the Lord can send them. It was actually primarily the Jews who reached the Gentiles. You agree? It wasn't just... Amen. The gospel of Christ didn't just land from the air into Gentile regions. 
right? The, the landing point for, I'm not talking about the law now, even the landing point for Christ, the go, I mean, even the gospel of Christ, right? And of, co- of course, even the offering of the new birth, praise the Lord, actually also landed in the God had to, to find Jews, Jews who, were, Jews who were okay. You know, that was one thing that Jesus was doing when Jesus was, when he got into his everlasting sense, part of his everlasting sense, which was to be so manifested um, in the book of Acts, sorry, not the book of Acts, the book of John, and in other gospels, was his capacity to discern the, the, the heart, the nature, the nature of men. He had that ability, he had a sense to be able to discern the, the natures of men. So there, was, there were kind of Jews Jesus were looking for who, when he was calling disciples. You know, they were all Jewish guys who he called to be disciples, but there was something, they, kind of, they were kinds of people. Not all Jews were the same. When he called Nathaniel, he said, you are an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Praise God. So, you know, Israel has grades of Israel. Right? There are those who were faithful with being Israel. And when I mean faithful with the Life, the attitude, the nature, which the law was supposed to impart into them. Praise God. Um, so that thing was supposed to somehow make them without guile in a certain way. And such of the crop of Israel, Jesus was able to find them. The Lord, by the Spirit, he was able to gather them together so that they can handle the receipt of, they must receive the new birth. Right? So there were people who, God found in them the capacity of faith. The law cannot, does not minister faith, and the law does not minister spirit. But the law was sent to preserve the capacity for faith and spirit. Do you get what I'm trying to say? They are not the same thing, right? The law, the law by itself cannot minister faith. Neither can it minister spirit. But those people who were teaching their children the law, they had faith and spirit capacity, which they got by inheritance from their own parents. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That thing was, had been descending from Adam. It was coming down. It was coming down. It was coming down. Praise God. When, when that thing left the earth, one man found grace in the sight of God, which was Noah, to preserve that legacy. And through him, God could re could begin again to begin to, you know what, to populate the earth. Am I, am I get, are you get what I'm saying? Praise God. So if you were looking for faith upon the earth, where you find faith on the earth at that time, it doesn't mean there was no faith on the earth in the era of the law. You have to understand that. When they say there was law, the season of the law was season of grace, season of faith. It doesn't mean there was no grace or there was no faith or there was no spirit in the earth. No. What they are just telling you is that the law, did not, could not carry those things. But those things were still present at different levels in men. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you remove completely faith, grace, spirit, everything, when I say spirit, I mean capacity for spirit. If you, if you remove the capacity for faith, capacity for, to respond to grace, and the capacity for the response to spirit completely from the earth, the earth is gone completely. The earth is completely useless. So God made sure that the earth never got to that point. And the purpose of sending the law was 
for God picked a people, the Jews, right? And said, okay, for you, I will preserve you among the others. I want to preserve you. So there's a way you can think, we think sometimes, we say, oh, the Gentiles, how, well, the Jews didn't have faith and all. So that's why God came to the Gentiles. No, 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 it wasn't that. Those guys, many of those Jews still had great capacity, high, even higher capacity for faith. Because the law, even though it, doesn't, it can't minister faith and grace and, and, and all of those things, but it has the ability to, it knows how to, to teach the soul certain things. And if you are doing this and doing this, somehow, by doing this, you can lock up, you can put an extra, extra padlocks on the door where the capacity for faith and grace is hidden in your heart. That when the thief is coming to take them, he has to do a lot more work to be able to get them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes. That's why it was, when the Lord was coming, it was time for Christ to come. That's the meaning of the law being a schoolmaster. Right? The law was a schoolmaster. Verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That was, was to bring us unto Christ that we may be justified by faith. So, the law is to preserve, to bring to the point where the conversation of faith and grace and those things can be reward, can be reinitiated in the soul. Am I making sense to you? Uh-huh. So, so the Jews on the earth, on the earth at that time, the Jews were better than the Gentiles. When it comes to, when you weigh the souls on the earth, Spiritual capacity and value. The Jews were what? Better. They were not better by virtue of they having the law. It wasn't that law that they had that made them better. We have the law, so we are better than you guys. No. They thought that was the case. But that's not the case. It's just that they having the law had made, had been preserving them somewhere. Things that were in their natural soul. That because of the law that they had, those tender capacities were still more intact than the Gentiles. So, so Jesus Christ came, he could still find some who could respond to him. So those were the people who then, after a while, after he had gathered them together in Jerusalem, are you seeing the wisdom of the Holy Spirit? Are you seeing it? He brought many of them from their various nations. They were Jews who had traveled out and in, to different nations. They came together in, on the Pentecost time that the Holy Ghost came upon them, then they stayed. Many of them stayed around, right, and began to mingle with the disciples of Jesus, who were many, who were in their hundreds. They could have been in their thousands, but there were many. It wasn't just the 12, it wasn't just 70, it wasn't just 120, there were many of them. Praise God. So they began to mingle, and then the church was born. Then when the church was born and got into some kind of strength, then the Lord did something. The Lord raised the strength of persecution. The purpose of raising the strength of persecution was let's send them back. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the main purpose is to reach the Gentile nations. So God had to raise persecution to send them back to all those places. Yes. Praise God. So, so many of them had to then what? Go what? They had to go back to all those Gentile places. Now, when they landed in that place, so of course, that's when 
evangelistic season began. Right, evangelistic season. But many of them, they didn't have just by themselves the grace to conquer all those places. It's possible by maybe they would just encounter neighbors here and there who God has given special mercy to connect with their conversation. And they would dream. But when it comes to massive breakthrough into those regions, they didn't have that until God raised apostolic strength in, in what? In, in Paul. Praise God. And then you also had guys like Peter and Kudu. So the core, it takes apostolic strength to have breakthrough. Praise God. To have, to have massive breakthrough, it takes what? Apostolic, it takes apostolic strength to do that. Many of, you see, in those regions... Many of those people, they picked up prophetic spirit. Some of them even picked up prophetic mantle. In many of those churches, you had prophets in those churches. Many, many of them had prophets. And many of them had prophets in the churches who were prophets, um, who were prophets, um, praise the Lord, who were prophets, not just prophet in terms of I can foresee, foresee and foretell, right? They were prophets of the new birth. That's the best language I can use. They were, they were what? Prophets. Like some of the ones that Paul met, like Agabus and the other guys who were prophets, praise the Lord. They were actually prophets of the Ephesian church, if I, if I recall correctly. Amen. Praise the Lord. And they made record that they are prophets in that time, but but to raise apostolic stature, it is not, they are not, it's not easy. It takes a lot to do what? To raise apostolic. So what the Lord began to do was, of course, Paul was a major apostle. Right? Paul was what? A major, Paul was a major apostle. Praise God. Peter also came into apostleship. Peter was first an apostle of Jesus, right? Then after a while, Peter also came into apostleship of Christ as well. Later on. Praise the Lord. So, now, when well, I just want us to see something, um, that thing called the law, say the law, the law, the law or what he calls the schoolmaster, the law, the schoolmaster. There is a law which was is written, the law which was written on stone for the Israelite. That law which was written on stone was just an was an enhanced kind of operation that God brought for them. Because God said, okay, this thing that is inside of you, let's bring it, extract it, and put it out in an external place where you can constantly be seeing it and be reminded of it. And hence, through that came the preservation. Through that, because there was almost like a, 
a bounce back effect. When you are trying to sleep, it, it will be telling you, look, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do this, we can't do that. And that can stop you from doing all those things. Because if you, if you just, you are just left to it, and the law was just inside, alone, you can negotiate with it. And after a while, you negotiate, and then you raise some part of it. Do you get what I'm saying? You, but it's still there. It's still strong on the inside. But you can erase, you can gradually be erasing some part of it. But it's not like the one that is outward, out there, that you are seeing it that's stopping you. It's not very, very easy to erase what has been engraved. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But now, but now the Gentiles, the, the, Paul was ri- writing about the Gentiles in the book of Romans. He said, those who are without the law will be judged without the law. Let's read it. <coughs> because they were a law unto themselves. Am I correct? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 2, um, verse, verse 11, it says, For there is no respect of persons with God, right? But for as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be what? Judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law are justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, that these having not the law are a law untoward themselves, which show the work of the Lord written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the man, the meanwhile accusing of what, excusing one another. Amen. So, it's telling that there's a framework of judgment for Gentiles who did not have laws written. But there's also something a bit similar to the law which they had. Is that when you say they were a law unto themselves, what it means is that they were reading themselves. But when you are reading yourself, after a while you can you can still there will be a collective erosion. Of the law, just a matter of it will just be it will still be happening. There will be after a while you find out that there will be aspect of that law that will not exist anymore, anywhere because of the collective erosion, because they will be negotiating with each other. Corruption will be negotiating the 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 disobedience this one wants to do. One day will jam the disobedience of that one. They will connive to erase it. Yeah. I, I get what I'm saying. So, so people reading each other like that. Even though that's some kind of thing, but are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when God is judging these people, he's not going to be judging like Israelite. The law said this, what did you do? And this law, they were reading it to you every day. You can't say you didn't hear it. They were constantly bombarding you with it. Praise God. We made sure that there were guys called Pharisees. 
That when everybody's tired, they don't get tired. Now, they themselves don't use it. They don't, they don't. But they make sure that you will hear it. So to a degree, the Pharisees were actually ministers of God. <laughs> well, they were evil ministers. You know, anything that the devil raises, God can still check how you can use it somehow. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, so, but the Gentiles was different, right? So what the Gentiles did, they, they, read, they used to read each other. And so when God is judging them, God will be saying, okay, at that season when you were doing all these things, what, these things you were doing, was it below the collective, the collective law that was established based on the, what everybody else was showing? Right, because he said that they show the work of the law written in their heart. That was show means that by their doings, they can be they do what is written, and their brethren or their neighbors can see it, and they check. They should be checking their behavior based on what is being shown by each person. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Praise the Lord. But that one can still easily degenerate. So when you st- I'm just going to prove something to you that when you see this thing called law, that don't think of only Jews. Jews are the one that was explicitly written on stone. But there is also a law concept with Gentiles. Yes. There is also what? A law word concept with Gentiles. That's why a Christian can be, can be legalistic. Because as long as you are a, a living soul, not living soul, as long as you are a person, a human being, living in a community of people, there will always be a legalistic aspect to your dealings, to your interactions. Because you'll be constantly, just it's a sense that you have, that God put that sense inside the soul when he was making it. It's a sense that you are, the way you validate, the way you, the way you, Praise God, praise God. The way, amen. Now, this is one of the signs of, let me just give you a sense of something. Um, You see this concept I just described of preservation among the Gentiles. That is one of the great, is the thing that that Satan is fighting to kill the most in the present time. That it's, it's what's suffering the greatest assault in the present, in this day and time. Because that is the, what is preserving Gentiles from going completely. I mean, I don't mean Jews. I mean gen, just the nations of the earth, the Indians, the, the um, North Americans, the Africans, everybody else. What's preserving them from just going away? They don't believe in Jesus. They don't have anything. What is the preservation? Is this, this mechanism I just described. They show for the law written in their heart. As they live together, there's a collective sense of what we should do, what we shouldn't do. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, it's, it's, so that's the preservation that Gentiles have. Right? But, but there's a full assault on that in this. And Satan wants to quickly, quickly kill that thing. Very, very quickly. Let's just deal with that thing and get it out of the way. It's causing, it's causing problem. Because he knows that that thing, what it's preserving is so that even Gentiles, after a while, when Christ comes, they can receive it. So he wants to 
quickly erode that thing. Now, now the way this the way this thing works is this, and this is something that has been established in terms of all of human civilization. It has always been the case, and human beings we subconsciously just know it because it's woven into our fabric. It's that the, when you are the, when you are growing and you're developing, the way you check whether you are developing correctly is based on the how of, of the level of acceptance that the world and society around you is giving to who you are developing into. Do you get what I'm trying to say? That's it. That's how a child, that's how a parent measures, have they trained their child well? That when you send them out to school or daycare, Everybody doesn't hate them and reject them. Right? When they get there, they can make friends, they are sociable, they fit in. The sign that someone wasn't parented properly is that they can't fit. The job of a parent is to raise the person to fit into society. Now, not parenting according to scripture. You know what I mean? The, the job of you as a Christian parent is not to make your child fit to society. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Your job is to train up a child the way he should go. The way he should go is revealed by revelation. So that's not your standard. I'm speaking about the Gentile standard that God permitted for some level of preservation. Is that nobody should be developed in a vacuum. You should not be developed in a vacuum. Is that as you are growing, developing, the world should be checking you. And, and if they don't like something, the world should disapprove you. And you go back and think and change that thing. Why is this thing, why is the world, why is society not accepting this aspect? Go back and change it and work on it and then come back to society and see, okay, am I doing better now? You can better integrate. That's how it's, supposed, it's, it's, it's been working. But, but right now, they're saying no. They're saying no. It's not doesn't work that way. That what society says doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel about it. Just what you feel. They are removing the, 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 the power of examination from the collective to the individual. It's an evil. That's the greatest evil of our, our present day. Are you getting what I'm saying? That someone can come and say, okay, I feel this way. Therefore, I am to be the whole world must acknowledge and validate my feeling about this thing. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. The, 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 the sense of whether something is correct or not, it should not come from an individual. It's the world that tells you whether this is right or this is wrong.
you, Jesus. Sikali, Vretasapa, Paposotolia, Nekati, Reposicala, Manaste, Pali, Venata, Avosto, Preteni, Evrose, Kali, Manate, Keso, Pepenita, Fatelioso, Preteli, Evacazantelina, Mesecatalia, Brotis, Cate, Ebroti, Cateli, Mecatia, Bresti, Cateli, Bret, Tetelia, Avotoli, Seta, Azatelioso, Palia, Netetelia, Cosotenia, and Necativ, Repose, Teteli, Teli, Teli, Telama, Catalia, Nostro, Ecrios. It's, it's the nature of the devil. It's the nature of the devil. It is devilish. It is the person of the devil that raises himself above everything. That raises himself above everything. For that is how the devil fell. For there was a common law. There was a common law. But he raised himself above it thinking it was higher than everything. And he tried to gain acceptability from those that fell with him. It is the nature of the devil. It is the nature of the devil. It is the nature that is rubbing off on it. It is a wisdom that was from the eye that was a corrupted wisdom. It is a corrupted wisdom. It is a heavenly inverted wisdom. It's an heavenly inverted wisdom. It is the nature of the depths of hell. It is the nature of the depths of hell. It is the nature of the devil. It is the nature of the devil. For it is a nature that tries to break the shield and the preservation I've put for men to come up to me. It is a nature that exalts itself, that exalts itself, that breaks the ability to submit, the ability to submit, the ability to submit. For that is the way I would raise my men in the place of submission, in the place of relinquishing your rights, in the place of relinquishing your rights, in the place of not working by how you feel, but by working by faith. Not working by what you see, but by working by faith. For I am raising the standard. I am raising the standard. I am raising the standard. But the standard is foolishness to the wall. It is great foolishness to the wall. It is the nature of the devil, but in that same way I will defeat the devil in your lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, it's not possible. God did not design a soul to to independently conclude on matters that pertain to the nature of his existence or, or the rules of his own existence. A soul should not be self-governed, right? 
it's, it's wrong for any soul to be what? Self-what? Self-governed. So, the, the rule is this. When you are when you are trying to develop, you are developing yourself, you develop after your kind. But the, the, the law of what your kind is, is not in you. You have to look, look at your kind, find them. They are the ones who determine what you should what, grow, develop into. Praise the Lord. So you, you see this whole idea right now of, of maybe... A child says, oh, I'm not a guy, I'm a woman. I mean, a boy says, I'm a girl and all of that. That's all nonsense, right? Because a child should not de- determine who he is. He has no free. Where is he getting it from? He has nothing to fetch out that information from. Rather, he has to, the world has to tell a child who he is. That's the law. Check your kind. They have to tell you. They will look at you. Okay, let's check you. What do you look like? This is who you are. You can't just say, I feel I'm this. You cannot. You have no power to do that. You don't have, you don't have, enough, you don't have enough knowledge. The knowledge that tells you what you are is knowledge for thousands of years. It's an archive of how all men have been. They go, from there, they will compare you and see, this is who you are. You cannot just say it. Like, let's say, like, how the family should be organized, the husband and the wife, man and woman. That's not coming from, it's not subject to an individual's mind. You can't just change it all of a sudden. There's, I get what I'm saying. There's history and history and history and thousands and thousands of years that produce that order. It's, it's bigger than you, it's older than you. You, have, you don't even know why it's that way. So you can't just wake up and say, I don't disagree, I, I want to do something else. You can't do that. When you do that, you are fighting against your kind, your nature, and you will never win. You will never, what you are actually saying is that I do not, I'm refusing existence. That's what, when you do such things, anytime you go against established nature, you are refusing your existence. You are refuting your, your right to exist. Because you cannot exist in a vacuum. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise God. Amen. So, so that's the law. You develop after your kind, right? So the Gentiles, that's what, what they were supposed to do. Develop after their kind. You know, the Gentile is a kind of a person. A Jew is another kind of a person. The scriptures separated between them. They are not the same kinds of people. Because the where they look to be developed is different. The, the Jew were looking at an external, explicit law. While the Gentiles were looking at themselves which is also something that God instituted. Praise God. The way you get born again, you have to now look at your own kind. You're not a Jew. You're not a Gentile. You are another kind. Right? So you have to look at your own kind, kind to find that is your kind is a Christ or second man. as a second man type. So it's very clear that the way, for example, a Gentile raised their child is not the way you should raise your child. Neither is it the way a Jew raises their child. Right? There is a different law for how the new man should be what? Should be developed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that law is in the spirit, although it's in the spirit, but it's not, you don't have to always pull it down from the spirit every time. Literally, actually, you sorry, you learn more from looking at other Christs. 
Why? Because you cannot fully trust your own revelation that what you downloaded is from Christ's nature and not from an evil spirit. There's a, there's a, a way, a mechanism to check it, whether what your revelation is correct. You check it by others. You check others. Does it fit into, you know, the the collective development of other other Christ? Praise God. Amen. So these these Jews. So I want to picture these Jews who then came to the the Gentiles. The Jews who came to the Gentiles, right? They. When they came there, they were trying to, sorry, they, the Lord allowed them to mingle with those other Gentiles, right? So that they can then begin to develop in Christ together. But each man being, be graduating from his own era of law. The Jew has his own era of law. So the Jew, one day a Jew should finish the school of law and graduate into another school, the school of Christ, right? The same way a Gentile should graduate out of his own law school, right? And, of course, who is the, who is the, the, the schoolmaster of the Gentile's school of law? It's his own community, the Gentile community. One day he will graduate be above it and then move into where? Into the school the school of Christ. So each Gentile, I just want to show you that each Gentile, you have your own law. That, So whenever they are speaking of the Jews and the law, think about which one is my own. And figure out you, you have your own law too. Your law is, yes, your law is, the, the, the law, praise God, is, is what you look at normally, naturally, what you look at naturally to determine what to do or who to be. Are you getting me? That's your own law. The Jews, they look at the Torah, they look at their own. And you, there's something else you look at. Yeah. Do you know Jews and just see, you see Jews and Gentiles are different. When you say a Jew, I mean a real Orthodox Jew, not fake Jews. I mean, Jew, <laughs> that are real, or live by Jewish nature. It's hard for you, for you to see a Jew copying a Gentile. It's hard for you, for you to see Jews now who come to Canada and be behaving like Canadians. No. I mean real Jews, not fake Jews. Not a Jew that said that my father or my grandfather was a Jew, therefore by blood I'm a Jew. That's not a Jew. Right? I mean a real Jew. A real Jew, an Orthodox Jew, is not necessarily a Jew by blood. Someone can be from Kenya and become a Jew. Right, so it's not really by blood. I'm talking about Jew by the by the traditions, by the traditions, the culture, by their law, and all of that stuff. So you see, so you can never find a Jew anywhere. They will go to play and just blend in. We are just like Canadians. No, they don't look. They don't even see what Canadians are doing. They don't care about it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because they are, a Jew is tuned a certain way that your own law is written. They do what out of what is their people of what is written. 
in their Lord. You, you get what I'm saying? That's where they draw their culture from. Praise God. But Gentiles are different. Gentiles, when they come, they look around. The law of a Gentile are the what? The people around him. They have no explicit law that they go to look at. Are you, are you getting the difference? If you try and, try and emulate what the Jews do, you can never do it. You can never. Let's say, okay, in our tribe now, let's, find the, let's write a book of everything that you should live to. Gentile soul is a Gentile soul. You will never do it. <laughs> just send him a brother or something. You have forgotten. <laughs> Praise God. You can never find such a thing on the earth. You see the way Jews are with their law. No, you can't replicate it. You can't replicate that thing with anybody else. I mean, who, can, who have the culture of their life written that they have to read, to live from book. It's not given to any other kind of people. Only one tribe, one people on the earth was it given to. But Gentiles, Gentiles conform. They read themselves. They read, when they go to a new environment, they read, okay, how can we... Uh-huh. That's a Gentile soul. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, so the Gentile, that's the Gentile's own law. So when you're reading all these verses as a new believer, don't feel that they don't apply to you. Just apply it to your own word, to your own law. So the way there is difficulty in, in taking a Jew from his book, or from his laws, and bringing him to Christ, it's also difficult to take what? A what? A Gentile, and do what? And bring the Gentile into, to purely live by faith, and live by Christ. Because one of the main themes of the book of Galatians is that Paul now observes something. That look, all these Gentiles, they read people. So when we send Jews to them, instead of reading Jews, and started behaving like Jews. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's why you call it, oh foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you? He who ministered the Spirit unto you and worked miracles and wrong, you do it here by the works of the law, by the hearing of it. Why are you all of a sudden, you guys, you have no single root to, no single link to. Judaism, why are you behaving like Jews? <laughs> why? Because of the same Jews among them. And after a while, they began to read the Jewish culture. They began to read the Judaism and the law in the Jews, as opposed to what? Reading what? Christ in the spirit. So, you now saw, you now saw a bunch of Jews. Interesting chapter, Galatians, eh? Sorry. <laughs> Bunch of, gal- of, of Gentiles who have legal- legalism problem, which is supposed to be a problem customized for Jews. But you know, for the Gentiles, also what? It's just that they also have a law as well. Praise God. Amen. So, the, so. So this law, this thing we are calling law, is a schoolmaster. So what the picture you have of the Galatians is that 
it's like when it's time for you to graduate from school and come and learn the things of the house, you say, no, I love school. You fell in love with your professor more than your father. <laughs> right? So they fell in love with the schoolmaster more than what? Yeah. Praise God. Now, so going back to chapter, f- sorry, Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, praise God. So this here is under tutors, verse 2, but it's under tutors and governors until the time word appointed of, of the Father. Praise God. So it was, even so, we, when we were, on, were children, were in bondage under the word, the elements of the, of the world. No. So the, the purpose of, so it's very clear that the schoolmasters, the schoolmaster cannot deal with the elements of the world. He cannot deal with the elements of the world. So it means that the, the, the law cannot deal with elements of the world. Actually, the law actually teaches using the elements of the law. When you see, check, if you check the Ten Commandments, how many of the Ten Commandments do you see that they pertain to some heavenly thing? Something, you know, that is purely spiritual and heavenly. No. Talking about your neighbor's wife, your what? Your property, his land, his goat, his house, all of those things. Am I correct? They say don't make graven images. I mean, don't take clay and make something. What else is there? Sabbath holy. And by keeping it holy, what are they talking about? Don't go to farm. Don't. Are you getting me? <laughs> So, so it's very, very clear to you that the law, all of those things are part of, they are properties of the elements of the world. So the, the law is just a, a provision of conduct within the elements of the world. Conduct within what? The elements. So, so when I'm saying law, that also applies to both the law of the Gentiles. So it means that a Gentile, so you can never read anything or learn anything from your environment above the elements of the world. All of the learning, even the most intelligent, the most schooled Gentile soul can never rise above what? Worldly elements. So that school that the schoolmaster is, is the school of the schoolmaster, his education can only stop in one place. But even when you now come into the matters of the father, the father, what he really, really wants to develop this, the child in are things beyond what? The elements of this world. There are things, so you see those tutors and governors, tutors and governors, not the law now, not the schoolmaster, praise the Lord, but tutors and governors. 
which are appointed by the Father to teach are the tutors and the governors who are to raise the soul. They are the tutors and the governors of the household. Praise God. They are the what? The So the word governor pertains to the house. They didn't say schoolmaster or teacher. But rather, they are speaking, when they say governor, they are talking about, it, it's more than just teaching you something. They're talking about, when they say government, it's talking about the government of behavior, the government of character. So the, what you learn, the knowledge for the house is not the same as learning things in school. So you can see maybe a very bright student at, at school, A-plus student, A-plus, A-plus. But when he comes home, the parents are always crying every day. What kind of a, what kind of useless to the parents? Useless. A-plus, but useless. As far as the, when it comes to the matters of the home. Not useful to the matters. May you not be that kind of person. May you... May you be useful to the household. So, somebody who is under the schoolmaster is lower than the servant. Right? Lower than the servant means that they, they 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 don't have what it takes to actually serve. When they do something, it does say that this thing is useless to the house. Praise God. How many of you how many of you has ever learned something? Maybe one one equation or something. Very maybe one difficult for them as equation. You cracked it and then you scored everything. Then you brought it on your father said, Ah, this is the equation we'll be looking for to solve this uh <laughs> Praise the Lord. On the, on the dinner table, what was the conversation? That equation, you know, that's the next thing and all of that. No, no, no. That thing has nothing to do with the house. Praise God. Why don't you, why are you not respectful towards your mother? Say, no, but that's that equation. There's, a, there's an equation about this thing. No. That is the learning. That's what the school master taught you. He doesn't even know who your mother is. He doesn't know what your mother's needs, what she expects from you, what your father expects from you. He doesn't know that. That is how the law is towards to the household of God. I want, so when we say law now, you have to add all the elements of the world, this world together, all the knowledge, the things you learn about living in this present world this life. That when God, when God's conversation in the household of God, they don't converse in terms of those things. So, if you don't know anything more than those things, you are useless to the house of God.
for I, Jesus, came for to redeem you from the curse of the law, that you may begin to behold my law, which is the law of the spirit of life in me. For you are called, you are called into a different calling. You are called into a different calling. For the household, I am the, I am the household. You are my house, and I will build you up by my things. You begin to seek and look up, because there is a different calling in you. There is a different calling in you. There is a different calling in you. There is a different calling in you that you can begin to look higher. You can begin to look higher. Yes. You can begin to look higher. Begin yes. to look at those things that will raise you out of the world. That will bring you higher than the things of the world. He says, set your affections on me. Set your affections on me. Set your gaze on me. For there is sight here. There is sight here. And there is a mouth here for to declare me. For to teach me. For to teach me for to teach me for to teach me i am here my mouth is here a mouth my mouth is here my mouth is here my sight is here my sight is here for to raise you above the the carnal elements for to raise you above the worldly elements for i am i am rough in usefulness in you i am rough in usefulness in you i am rough in usefulness in you for i am my mouth is here my mouth is here my mouth is here my mouth is here for to raise you up to higher things, for to raise you up to higher things, for to raise you up to higher things, come up to higher things, come up to higher things, for you are called for higher things, you are called for things higher than this world, you are called for things higher than this world, for in this world you will raise, you will raise, you will be raised, you will be raised to high things, to high things, to high things, to high things, for to high things is what you've been called for. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he says that the hair is, as long as he is a child, is that he different nothing from his servant, although he be what? He be Lord of all. So this hair, as long as he is a child, as long as he's a child. So this childhood here is, also, is actually a place, a, a level of development in Christ. Right? So it's very clear that this is talking about already a childhood of the household. And I said before that the household from, begins from Christ. It's Christ. Christ is the beginning. So anybody who hasn't been, who has not entered into Christ hasn't entered into, it's not, it's not yet a member of the household. Right? So the purpose of the law was is to deliver you to Christ, according to chapter 3, verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be what? Justified by faith. Now, 
So the, the, when does the schooling of when does the school of the law end? The season of the schooling of the law, when does it end? That did, did it end the day you got born again? No. Right? It doesn't end the day you got born again. The school, the day, the the beginning of the school, or sorry, the end of the the schooling of the law did not end when you got born again. Rather, you graduate into it when you are moving into the knowledge of Christ. Right now, you say, "What do you mean? Are you saying that someone who just gave their life to Christ under the law?" Listen up to what I'm saying. I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about your identity. I'm talking about what, who is schooling you. Like, what are you learning? What, what are you? What things are you? Is your soul feasting on? What are your soul feeding on? Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm seeing, I'm seeing some things now, some trends that I'm seeing now. Um, you know, there's, there's a season for a while. Um, you know, there are some, some sets of Jews we call Messianic Jews. So who are Jews who encounter the Lord and who got born again? Like many of them, they've been in the body for a while. Amen. So there are Jews who encounter the Lord who got born again. Right, but I'm noticing something that it seems as though many of them nowadays as if they are almost going back to certain things. And that is bound to happen. If the, the, the church would delays too much in coming into the doctrine of Christ. Because when they when they come, they are they are they are actually a people of doctrine. And if they come into the church and the church is delaying, we are just a lot of things we teach are things above the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they would say, okay, instead of the school of the world, we can just go back to our own school, since we have nothing else to teach us. <laughs> If a Jew gets born again and you delay and you're not able to bring Christ at this season, you leave them no, cha- no choice. They begin to go back, they begin to observe things, they begin to observe. Praise the Lord. So the point where the change of the tutelage happens is when after you get born again, then the word of righteousness or the doctrine of Christ begins to come. And then the soul begins to learn Christ. Begins to learn Christ. So the law will not go until Christ comes. Because the law is supposed to hand you over to Christ, according to chapter 3, verse 4, to bring us into Christ so that we might be what? Justified by, by faith. But it's under tutors, chapter 4, verse 2, under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. And even so, when we were children, were in bondage under the world, the elements of what? The world. Now, so these children who are in bondage under, under the elements, this bondage has been there, right? Now, 
when the soul now enters into the realm of Christ and begins to learn Christ, the day you begin to learn Christ, you're not free from the bondage under the elements of the world. You are just beginning the process of being free. The Christ, the teaching of Christ is the first ministry of freedom to the soul. That law is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ, which has made us free from the law of sin and death. That law of the spirit of life in Christ is the one who what brings, delivers the soul from this bondage under the word, the element of what of the world. But when that bondage is fully, sorry, as you've been delivered fully from that bondage, that's this season, what he, what he calls the fullness of the time which the Father is looking for. Am I making sense to you? That's the sign of the word, the fullness of the time, which word? Praise the Lord. That God sent forth his son, made of a woman, who was made under the law. So the son himself was made where? Under the law. Amen. That to redeem them that were, that word where is before, that were before under the law, so that they might, so that they might receive what the adoption. So, this redeeming them that were under the law is the process, right? Of now, who redeems from under the law is Christ. So now, Christ had redeemed us from the cause of the law, being made a cause for us, right? So. Christ is, this, this redemption is not the full and total redemption, no. We're talking about here, they're talking about the redemption from what? Under the law. Then, because you will not receive the adoption of sons after if the redemption from under the law has not occurred. Are you seeing that? So the law is a schoolmaster to take you to Christ. Christ brings redemption from under the law. Then after you've been redeemed from under the law and you've, become, you've received the first freedom, then you now receive the adoption of sons. So there is the redemption from under the law. Then there's what you call the adoption of sons. Now, so this thing called the adoption of sons, it, it is not the adoption to become a son. It is the adoption of those who are sons who need to now be adopted again. Praise God. Because those who have been schooled in Christ, when you are schooled in Christ, you come into a place called sonship. It's called sonship in Christ. The word son here means mature. You're no longer a child. If you're no longer a child, you're not a son. Right? So not being a child means that you have been, you're no longer in verse 3. It says even so when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. So the sign that you're no longer a child, the first stature of sonship that a person will experience is when you are no longer under in bondage under the elements of the world. Such a person is a son. You're no longer what? A child. 
And that state is the first state of an inheritance. So when they, that person appeared, they said, this one differs from a servant. Because a child does not differ from a servant, but a son differs from a servant. Right? This son differs from a servant. Praise the Lord. Because he has come into something greater, something higher. A state that is higher. And what signifies that state is the what? Is the what? The freedom from what? The, the what? The elements of the world. Now, why, is, why does the freedom of elements from elements of the world characterize movement from childhood into sonship? Why does it characterize movement from childhood into what? Sonship. It's because what makes you a person a son is the change of love. The change of love. The change of love. What you love is the deletion of a kind, when a love has been extinguished from the soul, when the love has been extinguished from the soul, a particular love, what they call the love of the world and the love of the things that are in the world, those loves, when that love has been removed from the soul, then the soul has become this kind of son. So, when a, so the person who has been free from the elements of the world is a soul that has been delivered from the world and the world, or the love of the world and the things that are what in the world. I mean, the heart is now open to the love of the Father, according to First John, chapter two. Say, love not the world or the things that are in the world. But if any man loves the world. The love of the Father is not in him. For these things are in the world, the loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, the pride of life. And these things are not of the Father. They are what? Of what? The world. The world passeth away and the loss thereof. But they that do, do the will of who? The Father will do what? Will abide forever. Praise God. Now, in verse 6, now when he, because you are sons, right? God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying our Father now. This thing means something. Praise God. So, they are talking about two classes of sonship. Here. Two, two classes of sonship. Sonship, one son of another of a love, the son of another love. There are actually two kinds of. It's one, one class to another. You graduate from one class onto another. Might make some sense to you. We saw that. Let's go back a little bit to these verses. I'm sorry, we have to just take time to really break them down. Amen. It says, but when the fullness of time was come. God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, right? To redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive the adoption of sons. So, 
the, like I said, the adoption of sons is sons who want to be adopted. Yeah. Right? They are sons who want to be adopted. The first word son is talking about their development. That's the first meaning of son. The first state of son is talking about a development. But that son that has been developed in Christ now has to be adopted. The word adoption is receiving. Right? God what um, chastises what? Every who he loved, whom the Lord loves, he chastises it. And then scourges every son whom he receiveth. Scourges every son whom he receiveth. So there's what you call the receiving of sons. That's Hebrews chapter 12. Praise God. Now, the receiving of sons, I mean, they were sons and then they were received. It's also called the, ado- the adoption of sons. Right? So there's a son who has been adopted. There's a son who has not been adopted. The son who has been adopted is called the beloved son. That was the qualification they put behind Jesus' name. It doesn't mean Jesus was not a son before he got adopted, but there was a time when the Lord said, this is my beloved son. Not, this is, he didn't say, this is a son. The God did not speak and say, oh, this is a son. We've just found a son now. No, he said, praise the Lord, that this is my beloved. So it's mine. So the son... Is the beloved son is the son who the father has claimed as his. They are not the same. The son, the, the, the son who the father what has what claimed as his. That what see that process of claiming a son as his. There's a something there. It's an operation. It's an operation. That in fact the father is to to push the son through a journey. There's a there's a a, a, a a gulf that the son must climb and must he must pass over something. There's a way, the way he must pass. The way he must pass. So the new and living way is the way of adoption. Yeah, are you getting you're getting it? The new and living way, praise the Lord, is the word, is the way of adoption. So the beloved son is the son within the veil. The, the son who has been raised is just is a son that has been developed to take the journey of the veil. Do you, are you getting the difference? So what I'm describing to you is the difference between sonship in Christ and the son of the father. You say, oh, what do you mean? you mean? Okay, Christ is not a son of the father. Listen, 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 listen. Listen with your understanding. Don't take your understanding cap off and then ask me a question. No. Put your understanding cap back on and understand what I'm trying to say. The first word son is talking about stature. The second one son is talking about a, a kind of a begotten. He has, he has actually been, he has been adopted. Now, the, the way of adoption is by the is by the release of a spirit. He's not, not just not Holy Ghost now. There's something that he calls here the spirit of his son. Praise God. Let's read it again. 
It says, but, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent for the son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because ye are, praise God, so redeem them that were under the law, that's the first thing we said before, that you now have to receive what? The adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, then God has sent forth the spirit of his son. So if you are not a son, he will not send forth the spirit of his son into your heart. So the spirit of his son is sent into sons in Christ. Right? Christ's who are sons. Those who, are, who have come into sonship in the nature of, of Christ. After a while, the father, when he sees that stature, you now send forth the word, the spirit of his son. So, this spirit of his son is the, the spirit of the beloved. See, this, this spirit of the beloved, it, it cont- when you say the sending forth of the spirit, it's not the Holy Ghost. Say, do you raise your hand and I just, re- I just received the spirit of the son right now. It just came into my heart. Thank you. Pray God. When you say, say spirit. spirit. The word spirit means way. Praise God. It means the spirit of a thing. The spirit means the way of it. The way, the character of it. The heart installation of the of sonship. Within. That is actually the, is the spirit of the fellowship of the, of the son, the fellowship of the father and what. And so, so these things have been written unto you, that you also might have fellowship with us. That in talking about you also, the word that was written for the fellowship, which he's talking about, is actually the word of this, this spirit. That when you, you, are, you release that word into a person, they begin to unlock the word. And begin to, release, to, to read the word and begin to fellowship with it is actually the receiving of his spirit. Praise God. Now, this receiving of his spirit is, is a pouring. That's why he said, These things have we declared unto you that you may have fellowship with, with us. He said, These things have we written unto you that your joy may be full. So, when you're talking about fullness of joy, it's not just any kind of joy. He's talking about the joy from his presence. It's the, the joy of his presence. Or in his presence is the fullness of joy. So this, this spirit, talking about the impartation, the release of the presence of the father, making it, giving it as a gift to his son to own it. I now own the presence. I now own the pre- See, there's nothing that fills his son's heart than his father. The the spirit of his father. So, the son in Christ is the son that has been developed to receive the, the outpouring of the, of, the, of the joy of the father. The outpouring of the spirit. The release of the father's heart to that person. Now, it is that spirit in the heart that makes you cry, Abba. See, Abba. Amen. Crying, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. What is the meaning of that? That you can cry, Abba, Father. 
Praise God. Praise the Lord. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying what? Of your hearts, crying, Abba Father. Crying, Abba Father. Crying, Abba Father. Abba Father. Father. Amen. Amen. So, it's actually true that without this spirit, is, this spirit is the spirit that, this spirit of the son here is the facilitator of the fellowship. Of the Father and the Son. They, they actually they fellowship by this Spirit. They fellowship through this Spirit. They commune by this Spirit. They commune. It's an attitude they have. When they, if they move out of that attitude, they cannot, they cannot fellowship. Anybody who's outside that Spirit, you cannot commune. But when they enter this, the Spirit, they can commune by that Spirit. It's called it's the Spirit of their fellowship. It is, a, it is the spirit of the presence within. You say, what's the difference between within the veil and without the veil? It's very, very simple. When you are without the veil, you cannot have the consciousness of the Father. You cannot have the, you, you, you cannot have the sense of their communication. You will not have the sense of what they think about, what they see, what they look at, what they consider, what, what gladdens their heart. What makes them happy? What makes them sad? All of those things are actually, it's a, those are all emotions, if I can use that word, or actually that is locked within the realm. You cannot break into it. You cannot assume it. Ah, I think, oh, this is how the father, you, can, you, cannot, you cannot try and fake the father's heart and the father's thought. It has to be, there has to be a release of his spirit. Praise the Lord. But you see that, so that spirit cannot just land on any other, any kind of a heart. A heart that when they check the heart, they find that heart has lovers inside there. Heart that loves the world cannot receive the, the pouring, the outpouring of the word, the spirit of the Father. So it means that if you still love the world, things that the Father thinks will not occur to you. The Father's thought, his concerns, the way he reasons will not come to your heart. Your heart will be foreign to the conversation of the Father if the love. That's the meaning of if you love the world, the love of the Father is not. So it's very clear that love of the Father is the spirit of the Father. It's the same spirit. The love of the Father, the spirit of the Father, it is the way of the Father. You know, love is a way, right? Love is a way. When he Inamata, inamata, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I show you the journey of my son. I show you the journey of the son of my beloved. I show you the journey of the son of my beloved. For you begin to sing in part. You begin to sing in part until that which is in part is done in way with and you become into the son of the perfect. The son of the perfect that begins to long for the love of his father. That begins to long and cry for the love of his father. That wants to come into ownership of the things of his father. And the father opens up his bosom for to show the son. For to show the son. For to raise the son. The matters of his father. The matters of the father. It is the realm of the matters of the father. Where the matters of the father the matters of the head of the house the matter of the head of the house is declared it is to sons it is to sons that have been perfected it is to son whom the veil has been taken away who can begin to see me as I am and that they can become as I am it is the raising of the sons the raising of the sons it is the raising of the sons that are done with the part of parts of seeing in parts to come into the place of singing perfectly of seeing me as I am of seeing me as the true light, they will begin to call for me. They begin to call and long for me. It is the calling and longing of me that opens me up for them to see my matters, for them to see my matters, for them to see the matters. For these are the son of my beloved. It is the son of my beloved. It is the son of my beloved that be one with me. It is the son of my beloved that be one with me. It is the son that calls for me. It is the son that longs for me. It is the son whose heart is full of me, whose love is full of me who loves nothing but me who seeks nothing but me who opens up nothing but me all he sees is me all he cries for is me all he's seeking for is me all he's longing for is me who looks for all things of the God who looks for all things of the Father all things of the Father cannot be committed to any who hasn't seen the true light 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 for those who see the true light are those who the things and the matters of the father is given to is given to i am calling you up i am calling you up that you begin to come to the part of perfection that you come to the way of perfection that you come to the fellowship the fellowship of love the fellowship of ownership the fellowship of ownership ownership of the things of the father ownership of the things of the father oneness 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 no no separation no separation it is the place of the love of the father it is a place of the love of the father that all things can be committed to sons all things of the father can be committed to son it is the place of all things it is the place of all things it is the place of all things come up come up come up the journey of the son is being manifested to you thank you father thank you lord jesus bless you bless you
Thank you, my Lord. Bless your name. Amen. Thank you. Shepherd Estepan. Fever Hadonos Kivra Atalibra Scott. Kalmana Atala Paso Turiha Matoyas Sendo. Ferdos Kedos. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's quickly go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Amen. I believe they are the wisdom of this, this thought, this place. It's very, very multifaceted. So it's like they want us to come through different doors into it. Praise God. To, so that it can be really um, so it can be so the understanding can be rich um, uh, inside of us. A- amen. amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, right? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are Many mansions. If you were not so, I would have told you I go to do or to prepare what? Place so. It's very clear this father's house is what we're speaking about in Galatians, right? Chapter 4. So it means that in this father's house, you also, the mansions are like different departments of dwelling in the father's house, right? Um, so there are some things you need to see. You need to see that, first of all, if Christ is the first realm of inheritance, right? We, we know that there are two inheritances, Christ and God. Christ is an inheritance. For it is the first spiritual inheritance. Then God is the ultimate inheritance. So it's very clear that if Christ is an inheritance, then, then, then the inheritance of Christ should not be somewhere outside the Father's house. Right? It's actually, so it means that when you say there are many mansions, talking about there are different actual departments of where, of inheritance where in inside the house of where of the father. So you will find in the father's house you will find regions, neighborhoods of Christ's. So that these are Christ's neighborhood. It's still in the father's house. Praise God. Then there are other places of inheritance where people who have come into the inheritances of God will come into also in the father's in the father's house. So there are many mansions where in inside where inside the father's house. So those who are children are, are those who are, they are children, they are members of the household without inheritance. Right? So those ones, they differ not from a servant. Praise God. So they are members of the household, but they are without what? Inheritance. That word without inheritance means they actually don't yet have a place in the house. It means that their place is not sure. Mm. 
So there will be Christ to who they are not faithful with their journey in Christ. They're not faithful. They just got some measure of school in Christ, but they didn't do enough to have an inheritance. They will not have a place in the Father's house. They will not have their own place, right? What? In the father's house. So, because if they are children, they differ not from a servant. They, they, they can get to a place where they can serve the house, but they will not have a place in the house. See, let me tell you, it's one of the unfortunate aspects of something. Let me, let me say something. There are many people, many people, who will be in the new earth? They will not have a state in the city or in the new heaven. They will not have a state that when you find them, you will see them in the same place where or where some some holding what we call Old Testament Christians, ah, you will see them. Why would they be there? Because they never gained freedom from the elements of the world. Even though they were exposed to some revelation of Christ, they didn't use it to gain freedom. So when they are evaluating them, they will see them on the same plane with people who never even got access to that revelation. That would be one of the sad parts of that, that world. In other words, they didn't use Christ to, until they gained inheritance. Right? They didn't, they just, they were playing with it. They were doing, you know, they were not too serious. They were doing, they, they still maintained the loves of the world, Right? They didn't allow the love of the world to be extinguished from their soul. Praise the Lord. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, when you're talking about people who have actual, actual inheritance, you, are, you, are, you begin from those who were able to arrive at inheritance in Christ. What I mean by inheritance is Christ is that that nature of Christ was formed in them. The formation of the nature of Christ. They, they were able to rise up as a Christ who has gained freedom through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They are able to gain freedom from the law of sin and death, which is the, which is the law which is married to the world. Right? Which, when you say someone is not free from the, from the elements of the world, Right? It means that they are not free from the law of sin and death. Praise the Lord. So they are not seen from the forces of corruption in the world. What Peter called the, world, the corruption that is in the world through lusts. The corruption in the world through what lusts. Which is what then, praise the Lord. Which is what John was saying. That the world passeth away 
and the lost therein, but they that do the will of God will abide forever. So that what nature of passing away is called corruptible. So when you say the corruption that is in the world, true loss. So you can never bring, say corruption cannot inherit in corruption. As long as you have a corruptible nature, you cannot, because when you talk about the Father's house, an incorruptible entity. Right? Is a, is a, is a what? Is an incorruptible entity. Praise God. So he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, I go toward prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and then receive you unto myself so that where I am there, you may what? Be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Praise God. Now, verse 7 said, If you had known me, and then you should have known my word, my father also, and henceforth you know him, and have what, and have seen him. Praise God. In verse, um, let's see, verse 11, he says that, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the word, very work's sake. And verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go toward my Father. And then whatsoever he shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be what glorified where in the Son. Praise God. Verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give unto you another comforter, that he may do what? Abide with you forever. The word abide with you actually talks about He's talking about the, abiding with you forever. He's talking about the, an everlasting ministry that he will have. That when he comes, this spirit, he begins, he will begin his ministry at a level. But he will begin to, it will, he will continue to metamorphosize in his, the, the expression of his ministry towards you. That word forever actually means, he's just talking about, is, is your, is your, if he will be your, it will be a company that you will have for the full extent of your journey. Are you seeing that? So then in verse 17, I'll say that even he, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he will dwell with you, or he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So you see this with you and then shall be in you. The spirit was, of course, it was with them. By what with them was talking about the measure of the spirit that was in with Jesus himself. Praise the Lord. Who was with them. Do you see that? But then later he will be in them. But this spirit, he's calling this spirit the spirit of truth. Right? He calls him the word, the spirit of truth. So, the spirit that will administer anything that is in the realm of truth. So what is the realm of truth? When you say truth, 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 say truth. 
So truth is the truth is the messenger or the message of the truth. Do you see that? Truth is the message of the truth. There is the true, which is a being. One, that's the true God and eternal life. That is God. It's just one being. It's the true, T-R-U-E, the true God. But the true God, anything that pertains to him, when he releases it, is what is called truth. So, truth means that which is not, a, not just that it's from him. Is of him. That which is of him and from him is truth. Is of him, then from him. Is of him, then from him. Is of him. So of course the truth is of the true. Is of him. It's not everything that is from him that is of him. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Then John now began to explain, look, I'm not the, I'm not the true light. Oh, there's another guy who is the true light. The true light means the light which the true one gives. Who later introduced himself as the truth in John chapter 14. So the truth was sent from God. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, truth is the message of the true God. But you see that message, you can break it down into true. There is truth in Christ. Then I said, the Father now has his truth too. There are all levels of truth. So, truth begins from Christ. Anything lower than Christ is not truth. Is not truth. As long as it's lower than Christ, it's not what? Truth. Christ is the beginning of truth. Do you see that? So when they call him the spirit of truth, that will tell you. What they're just telling you is that when you check really, really his DNA, what is really about? What is really, really about that? When you move outside the world of truth, you still see him there. Like when they say that he's with you now. There were things he was actually up doing with them. They've seen his manifestation. When he said, you know him, he wasn't talking about you actually know the truth. No. Right? Because in order for you to know the truth, you must have first done some things. You must have first continued. In, he said, if you continue in my world, then you become my disciple. Then you shall know the truth. And then the truth will make you free. So what make it free is the truth. But you must have been discipled in the truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when he says, but and you know him, in verse 17, he's not talking about you knowing him as the truth. He's talking about you, you know him already in the way he's manifesting with you. As he's with you guys here, there's a way he's manifesting. Which is, so the Holy Spirit can manifest outside the essence of truth. But you will see his manifestation. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He can cause things to happen. He can do all kinds of things. 
But in that, in that place, he's not manifesting. It was mainly John who really exposed him as the spirit of truth. And oh, Jesus Christ said, I have many things to say unto you. You cannot bear them now. But how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come? He will then guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. So truth is not one. That's what you call all truth. But you cannot say all true. No, it's one true God. But when it comes to truth, truths are broken down. Truths are his messages which he sent out that men have to consume. The syllables of his person. That they are called truth. Truth to truth to truth to truth to truth. Praise the Lord. So, so the work of the spirit of truth is to guide you into all truth. That's why he has to be with you forever is that the, the accumulations of truth that you need to come into, which he will constantly be what? Be guiding. So but he will not speak of himself, but what that, he, that which he hears, that he will speak, or he will take of mine and then show them unto you. That taken of mine is, I am the truth. So the spirit of truth is that which can excavate the truth and you can, you can bring it out of the truth, the, the, the person called the truth. And then he can minister the truth to people. Praise God. So it's very, what I just want to show you is that that thing called the spirit of the father is an administration. It's an office of the spirit of truth. Right? The spirit of the father is what? Is an administration of the what? Spirit of truth. Amen. We are rounding up right now. Praise the Lord. Say truth. So the school of the beloved is the school of truth. Do you agree with that? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. But these words, the way that John uses words are very, 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 very intentional. So when it comes to so all these things, praise God. Now, if, for example, in, in 1 John chapter 2, where... He was speaking, you know, that same place he spoke about the, the, the loving of the world and all of that, right? Then later he now began to speak concerning the, the Antichrist. Praise, praise the Lord. When he spoke about the Antichrist, then he then began to speak about the provision against the Antichrist. And he said that the, the provision against the Antichrist, he actually called it the, he called it the unction in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. Then he calls it the anointing in chapter 2, verse 27. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, he calls him the unction. Chapter 2, verse 27, he's the same being we're talking about. We're talking about this thing called the spirit of truth. It's that same entity that you are speaking about. Praise the Lord. Now, in 
in verse 20, he says that, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things, right? I've not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lies of the truth. So he's talking about people who, who needs to have coming to overcoming at different levels. There's the world there that needs to be overcome. Then there's the Antichrist. Praise the Lord. Amen. And there are even more overcomings that need to occur. But what he's saying is that I do not, I'm not speaking to you because you know not the truth, but because you know the truth. What he's telling you is that I'm, I'm telling you about this thing because you have entered the conversation of truth. Anybody who has entered the conversation of Christ has entered the conversation of truth. But you see, that truth thing is a, is a journey. You must be graduating from truth to truth to truth to truth to truth. So, he said, if, if you hadn't known anything about truth, I wouldn't have spoken to you. But because you have been initiated into the world of truth, now I have truths to say. There are more truths to say. Because this thing called Antichrist, there is some voltage of truth that you must have to deal with him. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 22, it says that who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ, he is an antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. So that lie there, you can tell you that that lie there doesn't mean someone who is telling a lie. Oh, I didn't take it. Did you take it? No, I took it. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But a liar is a nature. Is a nature. It's anybody, a nature that is not in agreement with what the with the truth or with the spirit of truth. Praise the Lord. Say, but whosoever denied the Son, the same had not the Father. He that acknowledged the Father had the Father also. And then let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you also shall continue in the Son. And then in the Father. You, have to, you continue in the Son. Then when you continue in the Son, then you will then need to begin to continue in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us. When you, where you are continuing on to is a place called eternal life. Then th- these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And is truth. What kind of English is that? Normally that's not the English you should write. Normally what you say is true, right? But... If he says it's true, he will, be, he will not be correct. He will not be accurate. He will not be accurate. But rather, because when he uses the word true when he has to do with that with God, like he used the word true when he was writing in chapter 5, at the end of chapter 5. Praise God. When he said, this is the true God and eternal life. Amen. See, so, and we know that the Son of God is come, verse 20. And has given us an understanding. Now this son of God that gives understanding is, is truth. Praise God. That's First John 5 verse 20. The son of God that, that came to give understanding is actually, that understanding is truth. The understanding is truth. But it, the purpose of the truth is so that we may know him that is true. Do you see that? And we are in him that is true. Even in his son Jesus Christ. And this him that is true is the true God and eternal life. The true God and eternal life. 
So the message of the truth is the any message about the true God is the message of truth. And all we are seeing here is that this message is actually carried by an anointing, is by his spirit. It's a spirit. The first operation, the first sight you have of that spirit of truth is he manifests as the spirit of the Lord. Right? The spirit of the Lord. Or you can call what they call the, it's not, it's not really the seven spirits, but it's the spirit of the Lord. that has seven departments. Praise God. Now, so this spirit, which is truth, now has to, there will be a point where he then has to bring another essence, which is called the spirit of the father. The spirit of who? Of the father. Praise the Lord. When he sends that spirit of the father into our hearts, the father is another it's another what? It's another manifestation of truth. It's higher. It's a higher manifestation of the, of truth. Praise the Lord. The spirit of the Father, the spirit of the Father that makes you cry, "Abba, Father," is because you have been raised into a dimension of truth. Praise God. You have been raised into what? A what? Dimension of what? Of, of truth. Praise God. When you hear truth, don't think of maybe some truth about something. Truth is a... They are... Say truth. 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 Truth is not a thought or an idea. Truth is not a thought. Truth is actually... Is a state of being. Is a state of being. I am the truth. So when you receive the truth, it's not that you read something that you memorized. The truth is that when you have received truth, you've come into a state of being. A state of being. That's why truth, receiving of truth, can open you into a world of fellowship. Right? It is truth, fellowshipping with truth. Truth and truth, a nature that is the truth nature coming into the same estate as what? Another, another nature. Praise God. The Lord will help us. When, when the message wants to start, that's when time goes. So, pray me, I've already given up these days. I just, okay. However, the Lord wants to do it, we'll take off from. Next time, we'll continue. Next time, praise the Lord. How many of us were blessed today? Amen. of truth is I said is leading to the true nature, right? You see this this nature, this is what the world will see and wail and cry. This nature. This is a nature that will put the world to shame. 
nature that will put the devil to shame. But when this nature appears, the, the argument of darkness loses its weight. The world no longer becomes significant anymore. The nature of the truth puts the world to shame. What makes the world high and important in mind? Because truth hasn't come. The sign that the, the mind has been infused with truth is that it's able to make the world naked and then you see nothing in the world. Praise the Lord. When the Lord will call return in glory, when we see him, remember when he, the Bible speaks about him in the book of Revelation, when he came with his white horse and all that, and his vesture dipped in blood. See, there was written the name upon him, said faithful and what? Faithful and true. That he has moved from this truth into true. Means that he, that was not the level of I'm the truth now. He's talking about faithful and true. That true means he had come into the exact nature of his God. When, when that's the man, all the nations of the earth will wail because of him. Anything they do, you know the, all those battles they were going to fight against him, his battle of, his battle of, it's actually, actually battle of relevance. That's the way I see it. Relevant. In other words, no, 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 we can, we have our own place too. We can, they're trying to fight for a place. But you can't fight for a place against him who is faithful and true. All, you, all the calculations will, you can't praise the Lord. They can't, you can't make war against the truth. You cannot make war against such a nature. See, that kind of a nature is what God sees when he, when he thinks of you. His very true nature. That's what God wants to give. So, it's time to, it's time, we need to give, a, give up playing and wasting our time with things that will pass away. This is a days and time for the heart to be so focused and zeroed in on truth. Nothing should be more important. When anything is calling your attention, come, take care of me. I'm a problem. I'm an issue. Ask him, are you truth? Are you truth? Are you truth? If you come into the sense, the Christ sense is the beginning sense of truth, where you can begin to, when you have a sense of truth, truth, truth deletes vanity. Things that are worthless, that have no value. When you have a concept of truth, your heart rises up against it. Truth is trying to push you beyond seduction. See, these things are very concerning them that seduce you. They want to raise you above them that seduce you. To raise you above seduction. They have to bring this conversation of truth to you. Praise the Lord. The Lord will bless you. This conversation of truth will become your own. Very soon you will begin to think in truth. Your, your reasoning, your calculation, all that you are thinking will be in terms of truth. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the spirit. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for impartation. Thank you for, we've not just said things today, but spirit has been released. Grace has been released. Father, you've given us mercy and ability to make deep resolves and to come into deep convictions concerning your truth, concerning your life. Thank you, our Father. We receive all your blessings. We give you all the glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth.